It'll be easier to edit, that's for sure. Not that it you would know, be hard otherwise, but... That's why I'm here, to make your life easier. Someone's got to be here to make my life easier. Yeah. I don't know who, but somebody. Apparently it's you, you just said it. Oh, I don't pay attention to what I say. That's helpful for a podcast. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to the Out of Bounds podcast. I'm John Luck with Mary Evers. As we uh, are getting closer and closer to the end of the year, we have some uh, end of year stuff that we will promote later on. But let's start off with what we typically start off with, and that is complaining about the New England Patriots. But There's not much to complain about. Listen, (laughs) I can find something to complain about in a 45-0 blowout against the LA Chargers. That's what the Patriots won by. they won 45 nothing. It's great because the path is still there. Uh, you feel mm-hmm. very positive about this. I have my doubts about this. So let's yeah, start off really. positive here Okay. Um, from this uh, good old 2020 ass-kicking of the LA Chargers. I mean, to be fair, yeah, there are still some things that need to be worked on, i.e. the passing game. But it's hard to work on a passing game when you only have, like, two receivers that are actually relatively reliable and a quarterback whose shoulder still doesn't seem to work properly. At least the defense and the special teams have really stepped up in the last couple weeks to carry this team. Now, mind you, the Chargers special teams is atrocious and may as well just be calling themselves the New York Jets, not the Los Angeles Chargers, because everything else seems to be working relatively okay for the Chargers until this week. But special teams letting out up two touchdowns in a game, that's that's not good, especially when, not for nothing, Gunnar Oshleski has not been a fantastic punt returner this season, and now all of a sudden he returned one for a touchdown. AFC so special was, teams player of the week. Uh, of course it was, because he also, I mean, he also caught a touchdown and he returned one for, um, I, I feel like maybe, you know, the blocked kick at the end of the first half was probably more important to this to show that um, positive things about this New England defense than the punt return for the touchdown is. Obviously, they were both great, both resulted in a touchdown. But you know, seeing our, your veteran guys that are the one the people you rely on, such as Devin McCourty, making plays like that and being so aware that he knew, like I don't know if he knew that this kick was going to get blocked, but he was it was like 0.5 seconds between the ball being blocked and that being in his arms and him being running for the touchdown. So he was the awareness that he showed on that play was amazing. I think Chase Winovich had had an interception and that was interesting because one, he's, you know, a defensive lineman and not normally one of those people you would notice um, intercepting players, especially considering Justin Herbert is despite his team being terrible has been one of the better quarterbacks in the league stat wise this year. Um, so that interception was huge. The, the defense and the special teams are really kind of your gold stars here. And it, I mean, that's exactly what happened last year. The offense fell apart halfway through the season last year and the defense was the only thing keeping it going. And that's what's happening here, but it's the opposite. Like they started off terrible and now the defense is getting better and carrying them. So here's how I look at this. The Patriots should have beat the Chargers. I didn't think they'd win yeah. 45 to nothing. I don't think but anyone did. To me, I think there's more to worry about than celebrate. You mentioned earlier mm-hmm. the passing game of Cam Newton. That was 
this is abysmal what he's doing here. 12 of 19 for 69 yeah. yards. Nice. And a touchdown. He had 14 carries, 48 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Okay, coming into this year, we knew that Cam Newton was going to be a rushing quarterback. Right. We knew he had two shoulder operations in the past, mm-hmm. you know, number of seasons. Yeah. We knew that he wasn't going to be a prolific passer. But yeah. what we didn't know is that he'd be so god-awful, he'd have three games under 100 yards passing. Right. Okay? Now, this Chargers team, this is a rebuilding Chargers team. This isn't mm-hmm. a team that's destined for success right away. Uh, Justin Herbert is a bright spot. He had 209 yards passing and a couple of interceptions. Austin Eckler, in his second game back from a hamstring injury, eight carries and 36 yards. Mm-hmm. So let's look at this score here, which was, what, 45 nothing. I said? Yep. But let's take away two scores because those were the special team scores. So take away right. 14 from that. That's, what, 31 if my math's right. Yeah. Take away a Nick Folk field goal. You're down to 28. That right. Gunnar Olszewski, um touchdown reception from Jared Stidham, take that away. That's 21. Yeah. Um, so really Cam Newton had a pedestrian day. The yeah. reason that we aren't noticing a lot of it is because they won 45 nothing. Right. Because right. they had three scores in the second quarter. But to me, this proves that this football team isn't going to, if they even go to the playoffs, Right. They're not going to be long for the playoffs here oh, because no, no, odds no. are you're taking on a Pittsburgh team or a Kansas City team right. that is leaps and bounds ahead of where the Patriots are. Mm-hmm. This is a great win. This is a win that I think is going to develop uh, Gunner and Damian Harris. Harris had 16 carries and yeah. 80 yards. But what I don't want to happen is I don't want this to be the game that everyone looks at and says, well, Cam Newton's back for another year or so because of what he did against the LA right. Chargers. Because I can. I have a feeling in the last, what, four games of the regular season here, we're going to have another game like this where we look mm-hmm. at Cam Newton's stat line and say, well, they won 28 nothing. I mean, right. maybe if we get some extra pieces around Cam. Right. No, this Cam Newton experience has been a dud. And it's going to get lost in this 45 nothing blowout here. And yeah. I was reading the Boston Globe, and a lot of what they had was just basically butt-kissing of the – New England Patriots because, well, mm-hmm. they won 45 nothing. Cam Newton yeah. didn't have to do a lot. No, the reason Cam Newton didn't have to do a lot is because he couldn't do a lot. Right. Cam Newton should have been out of this game at halftime or maybe after the first series of the second half. He was left in for way too long, especially when you have a Thursday night game against the Rams coming up, a Rams team that has, yeah. oh, that's right, Aaron Donald, one of the best pass rushers in the game. Yeah, but, I mean, you have to also remember that in that Super Bowl against the Rams, David Andrews was able to simultaneously take care of Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue. And Ndamukong Sue is not on that team anymore. He's in Tampa Bay. So I'm pretty sure David Andrews is going to be able to ha- handle um, Aaron Donald by himself. I'm not worried about that. I'm not unfortunately, about. back in the Super Bowl, uh, J- who, David Andrews, there we go. Name's in my mind. I said his name David like Andrews times. actually had help. What help does David Andrews have this year? Isaiah Wynn, who, you know, he's a toss-up as to how he'll do. Joe Tooney, I mean, fine, that's two players. But this is still an L.A. Rams defensive line that can certainly bring the pressure Mm -hmm. and bring the heat. This New England Patriots offensive line leaves a lot to be desired. And one of the highlights was Jermaine Luminor pulling two players into the end zone, one of them his own freaking quarterback. That's not supposed to happen. Uh, You're supposed to have your offensive lineman dragging a quarterback into the end zone. 
Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, and I think during that game, because so much stuff was happening and so many good things and the rest of the team were happening, it was easy to not realize that Cam Newton was doing so terrible. It wasn't until I read the final stats that I was like, oh, that's a weird stat considering how well the team played as a unit. So, yeah, okay, you're right. Cam Newton's, the Cam Newton experiment is probably close to being finished. He's not going to be back next year. You know, I like Cam Newton. I think he's, like, actually has personality, unlike the last quarterback that was in New England. And I enjoy him as – I think he's one of the the best teammates that the Patriots have had in a while. He's He reminds me a lot of Julian Edelman, just constantly hyping up other people around him. And, uh, you know, that's a great aspect to have. I don't know how much longer he's going to be a valuable football player. So, you know, I feel like Cam Newton's best bet at this point is to maybe start thinking about becoming a coach because I think he's great for the locker room. I think he's great for the other players on the team, but not necessarily great at helping win a football game on the field. So you basically just described the football version of Tony Robbins. Uh, just to put into sure, just to put into a better light as to how Cam Newton did, as yeah. I mentioned, his finishing line was 12 of 19 passing for 69 yards. Yeah. We remember that Jared Stidham came in in the fourth quarter. His passing line, two of three for 61 yards. He only completed right. two passes and had yeah. eight yards less than a quarterback that was in the Super Bowl. What I, I, you know, everyone's always talking about how. They want to know the behind-the-scenes dirt with the Patriots about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's relationship the last couple of years. No, I don't care about that shit anymore. I really don't. What I want to know is what the hell is Jared Stidham doing behind the scenes that is keeping him off this football field? Because it has to be something. There's no way Bill Belichick is keeping Cam in to be a, a slightly below-average quarterback if Jared Stidham is any good at all. Like, I, I, I just don't get it. Well, I, I do have a thought about that. If okay, you think okay. about it, Cam Newton, he signed in New England for one year with an option mm-hmm. for a step, and I'm not sure if it was team or player. But I think it's let's team. be honest, Cam Newton, I think, is one of the top premier quarterbacks to come to Foxborough. Obviously, oh, Tom sure. Brady was drafted here. Right. Drew Bledsoe was drafted here. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton right. signed here. Now, if right. this is going to be a one-year experiment, and it looks like this is a one-year experiment that's not going to work out, right. then if you go ahead and bench Cam Newton – after week nine or 10, what's that going to say to another quarterback that you're trying to woo here in free agency, be it a Matthew Stafford, be it a, yes. John, you know what this conversation is? This is the same conversation we had about Gordon fucking Hayward last week, but it's the opposite. I was telling you that it looked terrible for the Celtics to just get, let him walk away like this. And now you're telling me that it's going to be, it's going to look bad for the Patriots to sit Cam Newton, even though you disagreed with me about the Gordon Hayward thing. You are not a great level-headed green teamer, John. You're not. You're just you. Oh my god, <laughs> that is so frustrating. I mean, I'm impressed that it only took about what 20 seconds into my. Uh... Oh my god! Yeah, as soon as you were like, you know, we don't have a lot of good free agents coming here, and I was like, wait a second. I I oh god. No, you can right, get fine. Good, it's fine when Danny good... H does it, but God forbid Bill Belichick does it. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha, you, John. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god wow get back to your point let's go back to football no now i forgot there's nothing in basketball to talk about except for you being an unlevel-headed green demon i am nothing but level uh so 
just to add in a little bit uh, of positive news from my standpoint for the Patriots, the red zone offense, three of five. The yeah, defense that was... was actually pretty impressive for everything I'm saying about yeah. Cam Newton and the offense. The defense actually seemed to click, and you can say what mm-hmm. you want. This was a L.A. Chargers team that is trying to get Anthony Lynn fired, but either <laughs> yeah. way, this Patriots defense showed that, you know what, maybe it's not a complete Beat dumpster fire maybe it's no. just one of those dollar store electric cords that sparks up on catching on fire right away i think i think what we're seeing here is that unlike the offense the defense has a young core that is actually going to improve into being something really good for this team these young defensive players have really stepped up and done a lot this season like jc jackson and like chase winovich so i the defense, the reason why, not only is it because they're playing well, but it's it's good to see them doing this well because you know that this defense is going to continue to be good as time goes by. Now, this isn't surprising because Bill Belichick's draw is defense. This is what he's good at. He's good at drafting defensive players, and he's good at finding undrafted defensive players that can really click. He needs someone to help him with the offense. And I don't know if Josh McDaniel is just equally as bad as figuring out off like offensive players, or he just doesn't listen to Josh McDaniels at all. But something needs to change in this this organization to get Bill Belichick the help he clearly needs in assessing offensive talent because it's just one failing failing experience after another now that Tom Brady's gone. As we've said in the past, and I'll continue to say this. Bill Belichick to DM is screwing Bill Belichick, the coach. Right. Your right. top receiver on Sunday was Gunner. He had 38 yards receiving God. on that one touchdown pass from Jarrett Stidham. The next receiver, as far as yardage goes there on the leaders, Sony Michelle, one reception for 23 yards. Your first true receiver, as far as receiving yards goes, is yeah. Demir Bird. Two right. receptions, 16 yards. This yeah. is a running this is a running offense, okay? And that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, granted it sets football back about 20 years, but once you get into a postseason, if you do go there, yeah, you're a pass catcher. Oh, you, oh yeah. You can't have James White continuing to catch these short passes. Uh-huh. Hope that Gunnar Oshetsky decides to actually pay attention to football and turns into a pass catcher. Right. You can't have Sony Michelle as your second person on a list of receiving yards that can happen yeah. Now, yeah, i think it's going to be fixed when julian edelman comes back in a couple of weeks yeah, but, but he's so old and injury prone at this point that i don't want to have to rely on him as much as we used to i don't want to either but i think we're at a point now where if you're the patriots or a patriots fan you have to hope that you can catch that one little bit of lightning in a bottle before julian edelman goes off into the sunset hopefully right. that's this year and you know hopefully we're talking about an 18th game or a 17th game for the Patriots right. and going to the playoffs, but still yeah. 45, nothing game is a good thing as far as wins and losses goes. Right. But to me, there's still a lot to work on and I'm oh, still sure. not convinced that the Patriots can make the playoffs. I did have some fun with the uh, ESPN the NFL playoff simulator there and 538 sports. Yeah. Right. We'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, okay. let's get to some of the other games in the, uh, as I think Mary put it last week, the suck bag. Yeah, there were no good game. The only good game that happened this week, and that w- was a complete shocker, was the Steelers and the football team playing each other. 
Who knew that was going to happen? Hey, Not you know me. what? The football team beat Pittsburgh 23-17. <sighs> this is Pittsburgh's first loss of the season. Yep. And perhaps even more surprising is the fact that the Steelers actually led 14-3 to at halftime. Yep. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, 33-53, 305 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Alex Smith, probably the comeback player of the year, 31 of 46 passing, 296 yards and a touchdown. J.D. McKissick catching all 10 of his targets for 70 yards. Um, Like you said, I don't think anyone saw this coming, but I think this kind of proves those people that were skeptical of Pittsburgh being an unbeaten team or being this team that is unblemished. I think that kind of gives them a feather in their cap because – I I saw the end of the first half of that game, and they had a goal to go situation. I think mm-hmm. on six straight plays, and oh yeah, nothing. Yeah, and you know, at the beginning of the season, I was really high on the Steelers because, you know, obviously getting Ben Roethlisberger back is always going to be good for them. They have a really great young receiving core that was really lighting up the stat sheets. But as the weeks have progressed, you've seen the Steelers kind of come down to earth a bit you know they they barely beat the Ravens twice they barely beat the Cowboys so you like this was it was bound to happen they were not going to go undefeated all season I didn't think it would be the Washington football team that spoiled it for for them but here we are and now we can start talking about the fact that the Chiefs really are still a better team than the Steelers because they have the same record at least so you can't tell me that the Steelers are better because they are undefeated anymore and they have a tough game coming up uh, next Sunday night mm-hmm. because they, or is it this Sunday? I don't know. The schedule is okay. It's fine. This, this Sunday. Sunday. They changed next Sunday's game, but this Sunday is still the same. So it's going to be Pittsburgh at Buffalo. That's mm-hmm. a losable game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if they fall to eleven and two, and Kansas City beats Miami, then that race for number one really starts to tighten up. And I think Pittsburgh yeah. is a team that to have any long-lasting success. They need the playoffs to go through Heinz Field in Pittsburgh because if they're a team yeah. that has to go out on the road with an old quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, unproven yeah. receivers like Chase Claypool and um, Washington, mm-hmm. then I think they're in a little bit of trouble because if you're just relying on Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster with some of the secondaries that are in the playoffs in right. the AFC side, I don't mm-hmm. think Pittsburgh long, is long for the playoffs. Oh, no, I don't either. I really – uh, yeah. I will say something interesting that I saw was if you look at the second half possessions mm-hmm. for Washington, it was touchdown, punt, punt, touchdown, field goal, field goal. So pretty successful yeah. second half. Yeah. Uh, the Pittsburgh collapse looked like this in the second half for possessions, punt, field goal, punt, down, interception, end of game. And to me, that shows that Mike Tomlin uh, got out coached here by Ron Rivera yeah. and got beat by an NFC East team. And yeah. the FC East, for everything that people are saying, they actually had a pretty good week. They did. Washington Except for now, the Cowboys. <laughs> and the, Washington actually, now, they made this a race. Oh, yeah. The, I think the, the race for the end of the NFC East with the football team and the Giants are going is going to be some of the most interesting football we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. They've already flexed the Giants-Browns game to Sunday night in a couple of weeks because – it's they the NFL just knows that they're going to get a better draw viewership wise than the Cowboys and the 49ers. Now, think about it this way remember days of old where the Cowboys and the 49ers had two of the best franchises in the NFL? They're getting bumped for the Browns and the Giants. 
how 2020 is this situation? Because it really feels 2020 to me. But going back to what you said, the, the Giants, not for nothing, with a backup quarterback, were able to beat the Seahawks this week. Now, there were some, I want to say, I'm going to say flash in the pan players that really stepped up for the Giants this week. But being able to beat one of the better teams in the NFC is huge for them. And after Sunday, I was like, wow, I think the Giants have the NFC East. Like, I don't see these other three teams being able to do much in order to catch up with them at this point, even though they're like one or two games behind. But then the Washington football team came out and beat the Steelers. And I was like, oh, we're act- we actually have ourselves some really interesting to the end of the season football with the NFC East. And that's not something I was expecting to get from this, that division at all. Well, plus you add in the storyline of Jalen Hurts starting now for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. That's going to prove to be interesting as well. But just to get back to Sunday Night Football, I was actually kind of surprised Mm -hmm. that NBC didn't pick the Dolphins and Patriots because that could Mm -hmm. potentially be up for a playoff spot. But I don't know if the Patriots are maxed out for uh, primetime games or not. Um, I would say probably only because it feels like they've had far too many already, of primetime games already. They have two coming up in the next – three weeks or so the Rams on Thursday night and then uh, Buffalo on Monday night football at Gillette. Um, but oh, yeah. just, just to get back to the game you were talking about the giants beating Seattle 17 to 12 mm-hmm. in Seattle, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones didn't play, play. Colt McCoy. McCoy. He played 13 <laughs> yeah. to 22 and he still had a hell of a lot more yards than Cam Newton, 105 passing yards, <laughs> a touchdown and an interception and Wayne Gallman Jr., who actually is a pretty impressive player, not that I watch a lot of Giants football, but yeah. he had 16 carries, 135 yards, and he picked up a lot of the slack that was left behind by Saquon Barkley. Uh, to yeah. me, where oh, this game was lost was on the arm of Russell Wilson, and you can't say that a yeah. lot. 27-43 passing, 263 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Mm-hmm. But the Giants keeping Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf both under 100 yeah. yards. Lockett, 63 yards. Metcalf, 80 yards. And um, as far as fourth down offense goes, I think this was really surprising for the Giants' defense, keeping Seattle to 0-2 mm-hmm. inside the red zone for scoring, which I think is pretty impressive. No yeah. fans, but still, Seattle at home with that offense. The yeah. Giants win, and they hold Seattle scoreless inside the red zone. That's yeah. pretty damn impressive. I, th- I think – one storyline that we're probably going to start seeing more and more of as this season goes on is the fact that two teams that are doing pretty well for each other, for themselves this season that no one really saw coming are the Giants and the Dolphins. Now, both of these teams are being led by former Patriots position coaches. Now, which makes me think that maybe the Belichick coaching tree is finally starting to actually sprout some flowers. Now, mind you, Matt Patricia got fired last week, so that's really not great looking on... That's the manure for the flowers. Right, yeah. And, you know, you have to have some duds before you can actually get what the, the production you're looking for. And I think seeing this, these two coaches start, like, doing super well for themselves and Brian Flores and Joe Judge, all of a sudden even though they said that they weren't going to go anywhere near New England, it looks like Houston might be knock, knock, knocking on Josh McDaniel's door looking for a head coach coming up the next season. Now, I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to leave New England. I really don't. He ha- he's had multiple opportunities, and he's passed on all of them. 
And I don't know what would have changed between now and then. Now, mind you, being able to coach Sean Watson would be phenomenal. And now that he's had some time with an actual quarterback that can run with Cam Newton, maybe he'd be better off. You know, he'd, he's more prepared for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, but I, I still don't see it happening. But another thing that I keep seeing online in regards to the Belichick, the Belichick coaching tree is people keep putting Mike Vrabel in the coaching tree. And I simply do not agree that Mike Vrabel should be part of that because Mike Vrabel did not coach for Belichick. He played for Belichick. So right. I, 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 it annoys the crap out of me when online when people say Vrabel is part of that coaching tree because he's not. And the thing about Joe Judge is he actually faced a lot of adversity from his team in the first few weeks. Now, the thing that works out for him is the fact that he is coaching in the NFC East. So right. while his ship is going down, everybody else's ship is going down as well. Right. It just turns out that his ship is going down a lot slower than the mm -hmm. other teams. Yeah. Now, interesting to note here that the playoffs ended today. I think it would be the Giants and the Buccaneers in the playoff or in a playoff matchup. And that game taking place at MetLife Stadium. Uh, and that was, I think, the game where we started to maybe see some cracks in the Tampa Bay offense. Yeah. Um, as far as Tom Brady starting to click with his receivers and the running yeah. backs starting to play as well, that was a game where the Giants could have won in the fourth quarter. So maybe it continues being the case that the Giants live in the head of Tom Brady. And right. with a coach like Joe Judge, who he wasn't a direct coach of Tom Brady, but still coached mm -hmm. in New England, right? Um, you know, with Tom Brady on it, maybe that can come into play as well a little bit. But that's just one of those sub storylines. Um, yeah. So and what. Before we move on from the Giants, we also should probably talk about the fact that Joe Judge also fired Mark Colombo a couple weeks ago. Mark Colombo, Bridgewater Rainham High School's probably most illustrious football alumni. No, I think there was a running back. Was there? I don't the know. Run, Your high back, school, I don't know, me. I'm trying to – well, it was back, like, when you were two. Um, there was <laughs> a running back there. He yeah. won the Super Bowl on oh. a goal line run. Not I went to BR? Not not NFL Super Bowl. Oh. But oh. high school Super Bowl. Okay, mm. so Mark Colombo is the most successful BR alumnus. I mean, a football yeah, maybe, alumnus. I'm a podcast John. host. Come on. John. Yes. <laughs> You're ejected. I'll have fun doing the podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, just call Brian, make him to come on early. <laughs> Oh, we'll get to Brian in a little bit. That that's <laughs> fun. But the game, I think, I think one of the best games of the day was Cleveland and Tennessee. The yeah. final score was forty-one thirty-five, but this game was nowhere close to being that close. No. Uh, Baker Mayfield, three hundred thirty-four passing yards, four touchdowns. Nick Chubb, eighteen carries, eighty yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Ryan Tannehill got sacked three times. Mm. He had three touchdown passes, but the Cleveland Browns kicked the Tennessee Titans face in in the first half yeah something like what 35 to 7 game at halftime i think it was 31 but yeah it was something it was it was very close like it was not i shouldn't say close your your score estimate is very close but the game was not close at all uh listen to the first half possessions here for tennessee turnover on downs fumble touchdown punt punt fumble okay yeah. now time for the cleveland browns field goal mm -hmm. touchdown 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 yeah something went wrong in the tennessee titans locker room that day oh yeah 100 percent. i mean 
Tennessee's not clicking right now, but still yeah. to be down by the score, you were down at halftime. Now, yeah. granted, they did come back in the second half, but I also think that's because Cleveland maybe let their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Right. Uh, but still, I think this speaks more to Cleveland mm-hmm. winning than Tennessee losing. Now, can I ask you a question? You can ask this is something any question. I've observed a little bit watching the Titans the Titans games recently, and I could be completely off, but does it seem like to you that the offensive line of the Titans are more concerned with making a hole for Derrick Henry than they are protecting Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is a meal ticket for the Titans, so. I know, but you're, if your quarterback's getting sacked three times in a game, there's something seriously wrong. Like, you're not, are you paying attention to him at all? Because someone, at least one person should be, I think. I mean, unless they're playing... If 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 these teams are realizing this, if I can realize it, I'm sure there are other defensive coaches in the NFL that can, are probably seeing this, and they're going to start rushing Tannehill more often because they know that that's a weak spot for this team because they care more about Derrick Der- Der- Henry than they do their quarterback. I mean, the only thing I can suggest here or maybe think of is the fact that maybe it was the defensive scheme to double-team Miles Garrett from getting to Tannehill – And, I mean, if that's the case, you look at the rest of the Titans' schedule, I think except for one game, everything's Mm -hmm. winnable. They're at Jacksonville. They're home against Detroit. They're home Mm – or they go to Green Bay. That's probably the loss. And then they close the season on the road at Houston. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can go three and one and keep Brian Tannehill relatively on his feet, I think they're okay because the AFC South is going to be tossed up between Indianapolis and Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I talked a little bit about the playoff simulator. I had some fun with mm-hmm. this. I had a couple hours to kill on a uh, Wednesday morning. Sure. So sure. here's how here's how the roads to get to the playoffs for the Patriots could work out. Yep. If New England wins out, they win their next four games. They have a 92% chance of making the playoffs according to 538 Sports. Mm-hmm. Now, you need to go online and play this if you're listening because I had a lot of fun with this. Is it a game? Is well, it? Do you play with this as much as you play with the NBA trade simulator? I haven't played with that in years, but oh, you did last year, easily when they were when you were really desperate to get rid of Kyrie Irving. You played with it a lot. <laughs> well, if people tuned in right at that moment, they have no idea what's going on. But <laughs> for Week 14, here's what I have. If New England beats the Rams on Thursday Night Football yeah. uh, and Miami the mm-hmm. next week, Pittsburgh beats Buffalo, KC beats Miami uh, this week, Cleveland beats Baltimore, and Tennessee beats Jacksonville, the Patriots' chances to make the playoffs are at 35%. Okay. Uh, obviously, like I said, the Patriots have to win out, but next week, Buffalo would have to beat Denver, which I think is going to happen. Baltimore mm-hmm. beats Jacksonville. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. Colts beat the Texans again. Uh, the Chargers beat the Raiders, which that can happen. Vegas has been really hot and cold. Tennessee beats Detroit. The Patriots playoff chances go from 35% to 55%. So then we go to week 16. Patriots beat Buffalo. As I mentioned, the Giants beat Baltimore. That could be a really big game, especially for the Giants. So I think they show up more than the Ravens. Pittsburgh beats Indianapolis. Vegas beats the Dolphins. Green Bay beats Tennessee. The playoff chances for the Patriots go from 55% to 97%. Holy shit, really? And then again, I can't the imagine Patri- them having that big of an odds to actually get into the playoffs, no matter what's going on in the rest of the league. 
And then if the Patriots went out, like I said, the Patriots are in the playoffs. But if Miami beats Buffalo in week 17, guess what? The Patriots just aren't in the playoffs. The right. Patriots host a game in the playoffs as AFC East champions. What? You know you what? This you want some pathonomics? Here's okay. your pathonomics. John, you know what? As, as annoying as this season has kind of been with the Patriots, <laughs> this is really exciting to me. There's nothing better than like what, really needing to watch the last couple of weeks of the season because they mean so much. Normally at this point of the year, Tom Brady's already locked up the AFC East and a playoff spot. So because this is the first time we've ever really been like, the path, the path. This is actually kind of fun. I don't think the Patriots are one going to make the playoffs or two going to succeed in the playoffs if they made it, make it. But at no. least there's like real reason to like really watch all of these games, and I'm excited for that. Like I said, if you can get through Week 14, I think everything else becomes a little clearer. Right. I think Week 14 is that last fuzzy wall. Right. Um, again, I hate pathonomics talk. I did this just because I had a couple hours to kill and I saw the 538 sports simulator. So Mm -hmm. why not have some fun with that? But yeah, yeah, if you're all about the path, there you go. This is exciting. uh, Something else that's exciting for you, especially is that the NHL and NHLPA (laughs) have tentatively agreed on a 52 to 56 game regular season to start on Mm -hmm. January 13th. Uh, There's going to be a temporary divisional realignment. Playoff teams will report to training camp on January 1st with non-playoff teams uh, from this past season reporting a couple of days earlier. Yeah. Now, we thought this was all great news, all sunshine, lollipops, rainbows, unicorns, show ponies, and all that. No, but it's not. Nothing's ever simple. Bruins fans, it got really interesting because apparently Jeremy Jacobs wasn't happy with the league going through nope. with these plans. From nope. the sounds of it, Jeremy Jacobs just wanted things to shut down. Um, a group of NHL mm-hmm. owners was letting it be known to Bettman and uh, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, that they would prefer the 2020-21 season not be played because they would lose even more money on top of the millions they've been hemorrhaging since the pandemic paused the NHL season back on March 12th. Again, Bruins owner Jeremy Jacobs, old Scrooge McDuck himself, yeah, one of those owners that didn't want the 21 season to take place. John, this was the least surprising story I've seen coming out of the NHL news all week. Because Jeremy Jacobs literally is the, like you said, the biggest Ebenezer Scrooge to ever walk of the sports world. He's like, I, he's so selfish and obviously doesn't give a shit about any of the people that work for him anyways. I mean, at the beginning of this pandemic, Brad Marchand had to take it upon himself to raise money to pay the employees of the TD Garden. Like, are you kidding me? If that doesn't show you how terrible of and uh, cheap of a person Jeremy Jacobs was, you're just not paying attention. Like I, I, I obviously I really want hockey to start up again because it's my favorite sport and it's so much more fun. I like it's one of my it's it's so much fun to watch. I think obviously not everyone agrees with me. That's fine, but I am. As soon as people were like, oh, it's not looking good for the NHL and the NHLPA, and there are some owners that are really unhappy, I immediately I knew that it was Jeremy Jacobs. Like, I, I, th- there was no doubt in my mind ever that it was Jeremy Jacobs. I'm trying to find the sports survey to see where ownership ranked. 
because yeah. right now, I mean, obviously I the Celt. I think the Celtics were number one. They were in the crowd. It was. It was the. It was Grossback, Kraft for the Patriots, Jacobs, Kraft for the Revs, then John Henry. I I believe. That sounds right. Because and, I'm pretty sure I started screaming about all of that at one point during a podcast. And I. I just the fact that he didn't want to pay the employees in the garden during the pandemic. Oh God. I and know. they don't make much money. No. And NHL players don't make much money as well. Compa- so fact- comparatively to the other professional sports. Yes. Right. The fact that Jeremy Jacobs basically wanted to pull the plug on this season because people weren't going to be in the stands. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard. Because here's the thing, in some of these buildings, they're in states where fans are allowed. Okay, and I don't know how the NHL and NBA are going to do fans in the stadiums and all that. I'd imagine we're not going to see 100% full stadiums, but still, stadiums like in Florida could allow 25 to 30% of capacity in, and you're still making some money. Guess what? In 2020, 2021, people are losing money. People losing right. jobs, people losing houses. Okay, yeah. I don't need to go off into a sob story or anything like that. The yeah. fact that the NHL can be on the ice and can provide some entertainment for fans, mm-hmm. I think that's what they need now. And in the long run, I think if you go and have your players on the ice and play these games, it's only going to help out. Because we've seen during the three months without sports, guess what? We can kind of live without seeing a sporting event every single night. Yeah. And if the NHL doesn't show up, guess what? The NBA is there. The NHL is, or MLB is going to be there with spring training and the season eventually starting in March. And the NFL will always have viewers. The NHL has always been that one sporting association or league that's Mm -hmm. been on the outside looking in. They've been locked out so many times that if you get that, if you lock out the players one more time within the next two, three years, I think the sport's dead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. And I remember at the beginning of, the return to play situation. I was like, well, you know, they've figured out not only a way, a return to play plan, but they've also got a new CBA. And that seemed from the outside looking in, like they, the league had done a good job fixing the situation. Now, all of a sudden the owners are saying that they, I don't know, didn't read the CBA and just trusted Bateman and signed their names to it without reading it. Don't I, are you freaking kidding me? How I, I have never owned a business, done any really kind of business work. I've never done anything legal in the legal field. But you know what I know? You read a contract before you sign it. How I, I have no sympathy for the NHL owners at all. What should happen is other, you know what? Why don't we just have other people buy your teams? Because I guarantee you there are better ownership groups out there for every single team in the NHL. Because none of them care about their players and they barely care about the sport. They care about the bottom line. And, you know, obviously all these big owners, really all they do is they they care about the money. But you see so many ownership groups of other sports really care and give a shit about their teams and their players like Robert Kraft or like Wick Grossback. So like, but and because there are other people that, you know, can easily afford NHL franchises. I just want them to sell and start, let's start over and fix it. So we don't have to lose hockey. Think about this. Would you rather have Jeremy Jacobs as your owner 
or John Henry and Tom Warner? Think I about think I that. would rather ha- I would rather have John Henry and Tom Warner as my own. Would, in any world, any universe, did you ever think we would prefer to have John Henry as no. an owner? And but the and, and this is the thing, but this is with every sport. It's like you know, baseball season was in season, and we're like, I can't believe what they're doing to this team. And then as soon as that season's over, you kind of have a little bit of space from it and recover mentally from it. And then the other sports start to screw up and you're like, oh my God, how are they so bad? I wish I had those people that I was bitching about four months ago back. Welcome to sports in the late nineties. Get ready. It's a fun ride. Robert Crash should just buy all of the teams in New England. No, 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 no. We're Grossbeck and Steve. All right. Grossbeck and say, I guess. Yeah. Let's not sell everybody. I'm just saying. I would prefer Uh, Robert Kraft. (laughs) So there was this picture or this meme that came out on uh, Twitter, I think it was, that gave you four pills, I believe, and one you have to swallow and it turns things back to the alternate universe. It it changes the outcome of certain things. Okay, so I don't have this in front of me, uh, but one of them was the Celtics winning Game 7 of the 2010 Finals, uh, the Super Bowl catch, if that didn't happen. Uh, and then there on, were. Hold on, slow down. I I want to do this like what it really is before you start just butchering it or something, because God knows you would. No offense. Um. So it was three pills. The blue pill was Celtics win Game Seven of the 2010 NBA Finals. The red pill is the helmet catch never happens. The purple pill is the Bruins win Game Seven against the Blues, and the black pill is Patricia doesn't blow Super Bowl 52. All right. So. We talked a lot about this, obviously, you know, not recorded and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was yeah, we do talk arguments. to each other outside of out of bounds occasionally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there was an argument between Mary and uh, Brian Burrard, obviously one of the first co-hosts of Out of Bounds. So instead of uh, just arguing by text and all that, we invited Brian on the show. And uh, well, I'm. We haven't done this yet, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of yelling, screaming, name calling. But you know what? Enjoy what we got. All right. We are joined by Brian Berard, uh, the former co-host of Out of Bounds. Then his name got taken out for Mary Evers. So we invite him on once in a while as a special guest. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. It feels so good to be back. And I just feel the love coming through this Zoom right now. Oh, my God. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I mean, coming up in about eight months, we had the uh, 10-year anniversary for Out of Bounds. I mean, I think Mary was probably five years old when it first came out. It was not wow. five years. Oh, I was five yeah. years old 10 years ago. No, I was 15 10 years ago. How old am I? I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. I really don't know. I've been in quarantine for 100 years, so I don't know anything anymore. Well, after that money statement, uh, <laughs> let's revisit what we were talking about earlier uh, for... Uh, famous or infamous Boston sports moments that uh, we, if we could reverse one of them. Uh, so what are the four options that we have? So it was the Celtics win game seven of the 2010 championship. The helmet catch never happens. The Bruins win game seven against the blues a couple of years ago. And I think the last one was, it was the dumbest one on there. It was Patricia doesn't screw up the Super Bowl 52, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. So, do, Brian, do you want to start or should I? It's all you. This all is right. your idea. Well, it was my idea. But well, like, it was your idea. I'm just I a t- test. I need you to, like, put it up on a T for me, so I'll oh. let you take it. 
so he'll just swing and miss. So anyway. right, like he does when he usually golfs. So, oh, that's, that's, that's golf. If you do that in golf, that's impressive. Swing and a mi- swing and miss. In golf, I've seen it happen. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, for amateurs. Brian, you might you might swing and miss a couple of times. <laughs> Anyways. Bro. Over the weekend, I think it was Sunday, I, I saw this tweet online and I retweeted it and I said, obviously I would take, I think it was a purple pill, which is the Bruins win game seven of the Stanley Cup. Um, Wait, was, was mine a blue pill? If it's a blue pill. <laughs> Congratulations, Brian. Blue pill. Yeah, so no one was surprised that Brian wanted to use a blue pill, but he apparently wanted the, the helmet. The, it did not say that the... the Patriots win that Super Bowl. It just says that the helmet catch never happens, which is why I say that I would rather the Bruins definitely win the Stanley Cup over the Patriots maybe having one more opportunity to win the Super Bowl. That's all. That, that's it. That's that's, it. that's your argument. I'm just saying I would. I first of all, the the Patriots have six Super Bowls as it is, and. I couldn't, I could give or take a few of them. I really don't care too much. <laughs> I like, I like football. I love football, but I love football in general more than I love the Patriots. I love hockey, but I love the Bruins more than I love the sport of hockey, if that makes sense. So I would always prefer seeing the Bruins win something, especially the Stanley Cup, over any other team winning anything. Here's the thing if that helmet catch doesn't happen, yeah. the Patriots win that game. And if the Patriots win that game, do you know what happens? They have a perfect season. 19-0. and 0. Yeah, I know. How many but times it have it, has a team got the chance to win the Stanley Cup at home? Plenty of times. How many times has 19-0 happened? Zero times. Let me say that again. Zero times. <laughs> oh, good. You mean to tell me great. that you are willing to just get rid of 19-0 yeah. and 0 uh-huh. for a Stanley Cup championship? And, oh, by the way, a Stanley Cup championship, the Bruins shouldn't have even been in the Stanley Cup finals that year. But they the, were. The Patriots were easily, hands down, the best team in football that season and probably one of the best teams, if not the best team in football history. And if that helmet catch doesn't happen, 19 0 is solidified. And you that, need to tell is, me you're going to choose the Bruins next, in a Stanley Cup that they that don't even belong to be in in the first place? No, I think where you're going wrong here is the fact that they just not having the helmet catch happen does not say that the Patriots are going to win because let's say you eliminate the helmet catch. What if Eli Manning throws the ball even deeper down the field and it's a reg- just a regular completion and they still win that game? It doesn't the, say that the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. I, I know it just that, says that the helmet I'm, catch doesn't I'm happen. Saying, what I am saying is that if that helmet catch doesn't happen, 19-0 and 0 happens. No, it That's doesn't. That, there's no guarantee to that. Oh, it absolutely does, like, there's a guarantee the to other, that. The other ones say they win that game which means they get the championship. That one does not say the, the, they win that Super Bowl. They just say the helmet catch doesn't happen. For all we know, you eliminate the helmet catch and it's a better play than it was before. Yeah, but if you get rid of it, they win. They absolutely no, they don't. win that. No. What, what, like, how? Because, because you're like, well, if Eli could do it again on another play, and I'm, like, I'm saying he's not. I'm not, ju- I'm not saying, I'm just saying, it, you're right. They could win. But it does not guarantee no, 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 away. No, 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 not could. They would. No, they could. It just says that the helmet no, catch would. goes away. It you're, doesn't you're, say you're, that you're the play. You're mixing up your, your letters. No, I'm not. You could win the game. You don't necessarily win the game. And correct me if I'm wrong. 
that third down, uh, that, that catch is on third down. Yeah, I think so. Yes. That's what I was looking which for. Creates yeah. a punt. No, but it just, okay, this is what I'm, this is what you're getting wrong here. It's just <clears> that the helmet catch doesn't happen. It doesn't say that Eli doesn't make a completion. Okay, it just okay, says okay, that it okay. Does, the helmet, helmet catch, catch doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. Becomes fourth down. They punt the ball away. The Patriots at that point can chew up more clock, even go down the field and get more points. Boom. No, no, it doesn't make it necessarily fourth down because it could still have been a completion. Wait, you incomplete on third down doesn't make it fourth down? What fantasy no, world are no, you living because, in? Okay, no, because it's not the helmet catch. I'm not saying – it doesn't say he doesn't catch the ball at all. It just says it's not the helmet catch. <laughs> You're just completely changing the scenario then. No, I'm not. This is, the, the thing in the picture says the helmet catch does not happen. It does yes, not helmet say catch does not page. happen, which means yeah. incomplete. Fourth down. No, they put the ball away. No, it just now means that it's saying, not the well, helmet let's replace catch. it with another play. You can't because just it do could. that. It could replace it with another no, play. You can't it just doesn't say the that scenario. Oh, my God. John's I'm not going to change. This. I love how you're just trying to change the scenario completely. To help I'm not. This is this is the scenario. You literally are. You're like, well, it just says it doesn't happen. Doesn't mean that Eli right. doesn't do it again. I didn't say Eli. Okay, for all right, say well, there's no helmet catch. What if it's a running play and the defense falls apart and they still make it down the field? <laughs> that still says that the helmet catch doesn't happen. Nothing in that thing says that the Patriots win the Super Bowl. It just says that there's no I, I, I understand that. I, I got that. I, I can but you're it. saying that if there's no helmet catch, they win the game. But that's Yes, not I, I know true. that because if they don't make that play, they win the Super Bowl. All, all that scenario is saying if the helmet catch doesn't no, happen, right? And you're, add, you're adding something that's not there because you're going, well, what if... No, I'm not. Literally, what, 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 how I read that is helmet catch doesn't happen, which means helmet catch incomplete instead of making the catch bring up fourth down. That's, that's how I read that. That's not how I read it, though. I just read well, it as well, it's not the helmet it? catch. It doesn't say helmet catch replace it with running play for 15 <laughs> yards. It just says helmet catch doesn't happen. Everyone read that as he doesn't catch the ball. That's no, not no. You're just I trying guarantee. to change it to make you look right. No, you're no wrong. I'm just trying to make my argument so people know that I'm right. Well, your argument's wrong. No, your argument's wrong. <laughs> We've now turned this into middle schoolers fighting. <laughs> yes, this, is exact, this is exactly what John this wanted. Perfectly. 100% the way I advertise this. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go through the list of plays here right around the David Tyree catch that took place at 115 in the fourth quarter on a third and five. So he makes the catch good enough for the first down. Eli Manning gets sacked with 59 seconds left. Completes a short pass to Tyree, another short pass to Smith, and then he completes it to Plaxico Burge for the touchdown. So, I mean, I kind of agree with Brian here. If you go ahead and take that Tyree catch away, then basically you're just bumping everything up one play. I mean, the running game of the Giants back in Super Bowl 42 wasn't the worst thing in the world. And, I mean, don't forget, the defense of the Patriots, they were stellar all season long. So, you know, this final game against the New York Giants, they started to fall apart on themselves, especially in the fourth quarter. So I kind of agree with Brian on this one. I love Thank you, you John. Guys, all right. There, I, you know, I have one more argument. I mean, I would when, go with the Celtics in 2010, but that's another story for another time. I'm going to lose that one anyway. Yeah, you are, because that's the dumbest one on there. Actually, no, the Patricia thing the, was way The Bruins way, one, way but way anyways, dumb. the Bruins one. I, 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 think, I think we're undervaluing that Patricia one because you look how, like, the Philadelphia Eagles are playing under Doug Peterson. You sit there and you're like, well, how did they lose to that moron? Well, it was Nick Foles, that's all. Well, let me bring in another factor. Don't forget, that was the 
uh, Malcolm Butler Super Bowl. So you can go ahead and right. say it was Matt Patricia's fault all you want. But and in the end, it was Bill Belichick not putting Malcolm Butler out there. Okay. And I mean, I think Malcolm Butler could have made a difference for at least one of the touchdowns. I mean, Philadelphia put 40 plus points on you in the Super Bowl. You're telling me Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia, even with that bend, don't break defense, you're telling me that they can't get a stop to keep Philadelphia under 40 points? Yeah. I, I think well, my, my, I feel like maybe po- there's, po- there's a possibility my viewed my views of that perfect season is slightly skewed because I didn't actually enjoy football back then. I wasn't paying attention. I was obviously watching the Super Bowl because my parents were having a Super Bowl party. But all I remember from that night is that the summer before that Super Bowl, Madagascar, the movie came out. And in that movie, they all scream all the time all hail the New York Giants. So me and my younger brothers were the entire time that game was going on, going all hail the New York Giants. So when the Patriots lost that game, my uncle told me it was my fault they lost the perfect season and I cried in my room for two hours after the game ended. And now the truth comes out that Mary is the <laughs> Giants fan. I'm not That's a Giants fan. Why. I, did, I do like Eli. I did like Eli a lot um, when I first I hate started that really whole family. I, Wow, you! How do you hate them? They're amazing. They're so. First funny. of all, what that the charades <laughs> that his father pulled off on draft day made me hate that all right. family. All right, fair. All right, all right. That that's fair. That was the dumbest thing that ever happened in the draft. But Peyton Manning, you can't hate Peyton Manning. Yeah, you really can't hate Peyton Manning. I I I, I like Peyton Manning after his you just football said you hated career. The family. It's true. Are you gonna hate young Archie Manning when he comes into the league? Absolutely, Arch, Arch Manning. Yeah, what? Arch. Whatever. It doesn't actually matter what his name is because he's like a high school freshman or something right now. We might actually be dead before he gets into the NFL. We don't know. That's positive. Yeah, well. What a 10 minutes we've had. We've learned that Mary (laughs) is actually a Giants fan. She likes Eli Manning over Tom Brady. She's the reason that the Patriots lost Super Bowl 42. And apparently we're all going to die in the next four years. So get ready, world. Here we come. I 100% when I was younger liked Eli Manning more than Tom Brady. I will admit to that. I will say at Super Bowl 42, I worked every Sunday afternoon during Patriots games, yeah. even during the playoffs. Super Bowl 42 was the first game of that season I watched. Oh, so it's actually, it's not my fault. It's John's fault. No, you it's screamed, your fault. You, you were cheering for the Giants the whole time. You screamed, yeah, well. all hail the New York Giants. I at least yeah. had Patriots jersey on. Exactly. I was, I was 10 had. years old. I didn't know any better going with a little kid excuse i'm just a little kid i didn't know any better john i use that excuse all the time on this show it's not going to stop anytime soon so get used to it i i've gotten used to it i just kind of accept it now (laughs) all right well that lived up to the billing i was hoping for uh brian thanks for joining us here on the podcast hey no problem anytime you need me to correct your horrible takes just let me know Uh, okay All right, so if you ever wondered what it's like actually being at BTV, listening to arguing, complaining, and all that, if if you ever wonder what it's like being me, that's what it's like. We don't fight that much. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) What the hell are you drinking? All right, let's talk about the NFL My donkeys. (laughs) Okay, fresh from the South End, apparently. Uh, The South End? Are you dumb? (laughs) get out of here with that if you saw my picks from the past few weeks you might think so okay (laughs) that's how you make a clean transition let's go to picks uh 
How are we doing? I'm probably not winning anymore. So uh, well, we tied last week in picks right. because right. we picked four game, four games, three games with the same outcome. Um, and all of those games, we were correct. So kudos to us. Um, but we also you, I picked the Browns over the Titans, and you picked the Titans, and then you picked the Colts over the Texans, and the Colts won. Um, so we both went four and two, and. Your record stands at 39 and 33, and my record is 41 and 31. Nope, I lied. You're 43 and 35, and I'm 45 and 33. All right, two games back. I can make this yeah. up in no time. Well, not I if you keep picking the same games. I'll stop picking after me. But I think we have more competitive games coming up this week than we did last week. So I'm sure we'll see a little bit of a, of a change. So the I mean, first anything game, can be better. Last, last episode, we picked the Rams and the Patriots already because this episode comes out on Thursday and the, the Rams and the Patriots play on Thursday. Um, just to recap, you picked the Rams, I picked the Patriots. We'll see tonight or tomorrow night. Goodbye, Pat. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so the first game besides the Rams and the Pats that we have are the 8-4 and four Colts and the 7-5 and five Raiders. Who you got, John? Well, listen, here's the thing. The Raiders almost got beat by the New York Jets if they didn't go ahead and Jets themselves. Um, I, I have the Colts winning this one. I think I had them winning in my path uh, exercise. Uh, so I have the uh, Colts winning in Vegas, and, well, the Raiders just continuing to yeah. go down a bad road. Yeah, I – you know, the that last second – a touchdown pass by Derek Carr would have been impressive if they were playing, I don't know, Kansas City or or Seattle or the Steelers or something. But it was not impressive playing the Jets because the Jets suck. So I'm also going to go with the Colts. And I know we were just talking about how we were going to pick different teams, but I'm not going to attach myself to the Raiders. It just isn't going to happen. The Raiders um, lost convincingly against the Falcons, I think, the week prior. I think that, yeah, they just have not been – they've been so hot and cold. Like, they, they were doing well against the Chiefs in their last game against each other and then flamed out. I don't know what's going on. Um, the next game I'll pick first, so you don't accuse me of just picking whatever you pick. The Follow 11 the 11-1 and one Chiefs at the 8-4 and four Dolphins. Now, I think this is going to be the track game of the season for the Chiefs. I know that the Patriots probably need the Dolphins to lose a little bit more for the path, but I'm more concerned about me winning than the Patriots winning right now. Um, the Dolphins have been pretty good. Their defense has been really good. I think they might be able to stop Tyreek Hill a little bit more than other teams have in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins. You can go with the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, mainly right. because – I have no idea who's actually going to play for the Dolphins since I think half the team got thrown out of the game for fighting the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, two players um, got thrown out of the game. Calm down. One of them was Xavier Howard, the oh, Dolphins' no. best secondary player. Obviously, okay. the defensive line, I think, is still going to be intact. And Kansas City had the fear of God instilled them in them by the uh, Denver Broncos. The Broncos almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, and yeah, but I the think Raiders this was, almost beat them too. So. Well, I think this was that trap game, and I think people are going to start saying, well, maybe the Chiefs aren't exactly who we thought they were. And with that thinking, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, they're going to dial things up. And especially if it's a sunny day in Miami, I think that's perfect weather for uh, Patrick Mahomes to start slinging the ball to Tyree Kill and uh, mm -hmm. try and get Travis Kelsey going as well because he needs to get going offensively 
and be a real contributor to this offense for the Chiefs. Okay, so next we have the 11-1 Steelers at the 9-3 Buffalo Bills. What do you got? Can I flip a coin for this one? You can, actually. Because I think it's going to – Yeah, I don't have the coin. Uh, I think it's going to be a very tight game, a very close game. Uh, don't forget, as we mentioned, Pittsburgh coming off of a loss to a football team. Uh, Buffalo coming off of maybe one of the most impressive Monday night games in decades. Um, to me, this is Josh Allen's prove-it game, a Sunday night football game at home. I think I have to take the Bills. Okay. Um, I, I agree with you that this is going to be a toss-up game. Um, and in the spirit of competition, I'm just going to take the Steelers because you took the Bills. That's great analysis. Listen, yep. here's why Pittsburgh's going to win. Because, because you chose John Buffalo. picked the Bills. Yeah. Yep. No way oh. he circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. You said, I think you've, if you've said that every episode of this podcast. I feel like if Out of Bounds had a drinking game, it'd be drink every time John mentions that the Bills circle the wagon. Uh, you got to keep the Boomer references going, though. Oh, God. All right, next game we have is the 5-7 and seven Washington football team at the 5-7 and seven San Francisco 49ers. And by at the San Francisco 49ers, they're actually at the Arizona Cardinals, but they're not playing the game. Um, I'm really riding high on Alex Smith. You know, the man has gone through absolutely everything life can possibly throw at you. The only thing left now is for him to get the coronavirus, and I hope that doesn't happen considering how many infections a man had when he broke his leg three years ago. But because I'm, you know, riding and dining with, with Alex Smith, he also had a bloody sock moment last week, which we didn't talk about. And you know how us in Boston, we like our bloody sock moment. So I'm going to go with the Washington football team. Wow. That was, a, yep. that was quite the passage. My impassioned speech. I'm going to take the uh, Washington football team as well, more Not for bad. the supporting cast. Um, San Francisco, they just had too many injuries. and. Yeah. I mean, I just wasn't impressed with what they did on Monday Night Football. That could be because they that was the weekend they moved out to Arizona. Maybe it'll be more settled. Yeah. But I think Washington at five and seven, albeit, I think they're a better football team than San Francisco. Fair enough. Um, the last game we have is the six and six Arizona Cardinals at the five and seven New York football giants. What do you got? Ooh, that's gonna be a good game too. Yeah. Um, I told you there are way better games this week than there were last week. Or maybe my expectations is just changing with the NFL this season where a 5-7 and seven team against a 6-6 six and six team is great. Um, I think Arizona needs this game a little more. Mm -hmm. And if they show up with that sense of urgency, I think they get the win. Um, I mean, if Colt McCoy is starting again, I think that gives the Cardinals a week of scouting. Uh, whereas if you hold off and wait until Friday or Saturday to say that Daniel Jones is going to be the starter – Maybe then he can get that sense of uh, surprise. But I think if the Giants can get Wayne Gallman going, that's their path to um, success. But I still think that Kyler Murray needs this game along with Cliff Kingsbury. Mm -hmm. So they get the win in the Meadowlands. Um, I'm going to go with the Giants because I'm really interested in seeing this NFC East battle to the end um, between them and the football team. And like you said, we now are ha we have Jalen Hurts playing in, in – uh, Philadelphia now and God knows how that's actually going to turn out and the Cowboys are an absolute dumpster fire and they just are the embodiment of the NFC East in general um, 
And honestly, I think the Giants have really kind of hit their stride and are playing the type of football they've wanted to play. And I, I just still can't get over them beating the Seahawks. And, you know, some people might say it was a fluke win, but I really do think that they were able to do some things against Russell Wilson that proved to the league that they're not just some shit NFC East team. So I'm going to go with the Giants. All right. And I think that's all the picks, right? It is. All right, so that puts the capper on another week of Out of Bounds. We have a very busy stretch coming up here. What are we recording? Three episodes next week? Something like that, yeah. We got our typical Out of Bounds where we talk about anything going on in the sports world. Then we have our two year in review specials where part Mm -hmm. one, we will talk about the major sports stories, uh, including the coronavirus. Uh, We'll look back at our interview with Adam Kaufman. That was a great interview, a very informative interview uh, for anyone interested in sports media. Then we'll follow that up with the uh, Boston sports here interview uh, where we'll probably just end up yelling. Crying about Tom Brady and Mookie Betts. Stay tuned. I'll still make my case for being a level-headed green teamer, but we'll probably argue about that on the year interview. So until then, for Mary, I'm John. We'll talk to you later.